Hey everybody and welcome to the 5 Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. Thank you to my sponsors, Goliath Technologies, who help IT pros be proactive and anticipate, troubleshoot, and prevent end-user experience issues regardless of where IT workloads or users are located. You can learn more at GoliathTechnologies.com. And also to Liquidware, creators of FlexApp, the most feature-rich application layering product on the market. Check out whatmatrix.com for a full feature breakdown. And now some news. Servicing stack updates have been released for Windows Server 2019 and Windows 10 v1809. These updates make stability improvements for the Windows Server 2019 and Windows 10 version 1809 servicing stacks that is responsible for installing other security updates. These are released whenever necessary to provide fixes to the core updating components of Windows. This update resolves issues with automatic corruption repair, failing with an error of hex 0x870057, as well as issues with a server core-based computer that may be unable to start after you install server core app compatibility feature on-demand installation, or FOD. I debated whether I would cover this next story or not, as it has been pretty widely reported this week, but hey, why not? Microsoft have passed Apple to become the world's most valuable company with a market cap of $851 billion. Apple actually passed Microsoft in these rankings back in 2010, so it's been quite the turnaround. This news happens to also come at a time where Apple have started to offer discounts on its latest line of iPhones with the $300 buyback offer. This is after disappointing sales in recent times. And that disappointment is also reflected in their share price recently. I'm no expert, but in my opinion, I feel like Apple have started to price some of their fans out of their products. $1,000 smartphones is pretty crazy. $200 for a small storage or memory upgrade on a new MacBook Air is ridiculous. Hopefully this buyback program for iPhones is just the start of some readjustments and pricing compromises on Apple's part. Now I know they also have buyback programs for uh, other tablets and stuff like that. It's just recent that they're starting to offer such a substantial buyback. I just hope that that's an indication that they're maybe going to also compromise in other areas like hey Apple, I want to buy a MacBook Air but I don't want to pay $200 for an extra 128 gigs of SSD. So, please fix that. Many of us were surprised to find we couldn't log into Citrix share file on Monday morning. For me, I found an email in my spam folder that was received early Monday morning. As some have pointed out, the formatting of this email made it look a little like a phishing attempt, but it was not, it was legit. Citrix claimed they saw incidences in ShareFile that had some of the characteristics of credential stuffing, which is essentially credentials gathered by nefarious means through a different breach. So for example, the Marriott breach happened this week. So, well, not even this week, it was just reported this week. So that could be an example of uh, where someone could get your credentials and try to use them for another service like ShareFile. Upon noticing that trend, Citrix took the decision to take quick action and forced password resets. Initially, there was some confusion. People thought if they used MFA, they wouldn't be affected, but many found even with MFA, they still were. Based on feedback via Twitter and in the Citrix blog's comment section, people were very upset about the lack of prior communication. 
Personally, while I feel the communication was definitely lacking and should have been communicated better, I can't fault them for taking quick decisive action when they saw the pattern. I've had my bank lock my cards multiple times before when suspecting irregular activity. Personally, I appreciate this extra layer of security in that the service provider is taking preemptive measures to protect me like this. However, for future state, for ensuring this can't happen again, that's a whole other discussion, and it's definitely one they should be having. There's definite room for improvement here. As the great Ed Bot of ZDNet reported, just today, Microsoft have confirmed the rumors that started earlier this week. Microsoft will rebuild its Microsoft Edge browser from the ground up, ripping out its proprietary Edge HTML rendering engine and replacing it with the open source Chromium code base. The intent is to even bring this new browser to older operating systems like Windows 7 and Windows 8, as well as other third-party operating systems like Mac OS. Edge, in fairness, had a very rough start. It was almost unusable when Windows 10 first came out. So many vendors still used plugins and Edge was very early in the no plugin game, to their credit. I mean, other browsers have obviously gone that direction since then but maybe they braved to be the first and paid some of the price. It forced more and more people to go out and download and run Chrome or Firefox as a workaround. And let's be honest, that was mostly Chrome, not Firefox. Edge never really recovered in popularity. Chrome has been dominant. With Microsoft embracing Chromium, it's actually best for all. They can contribute to the code base and help improve Chromium. I mean, as much as people love Chrome as a browser, there are a lot of shortcomings, particularly in resource utilization and usage. So maybe this is something a heavyweight like Microsoft could help to flesh out and possibly remedy. This collaboration, while very unexpected, is very welcome. New Vector, who have the first ever and only multi-vector container firewall product in the world, have announced that they have joined the new AWS marketplace for containers. The podcast has been going for almost a year now. I've mentioned container security multiple times, and I believe this is the third time I've actually mentioned New Vector specifically. I have a pretty outdated blog post on New Vector on Rorymon.com, but even though it's dated, it will give you an idea of what it's all about if you're interested in learning. I'll provide a link with this episode, which is episode 49, under reference links on 5bytespodcast.com. And the perfect follow-up story to that, this week ZDNet reported the first major security hole was discovered in Kubernetes. With a specifically crafted network request, any user could establish a connection through the Kubernetes application programming interface or API server to a back-end server. Once established, an attacker could send arbitrary requests over the network connection directly to that back-end. And as they say, adding insult to injury, these requests are authenticated with the Kubernetes API server's transport layer security credentials, or TLS. Anyone who knows about this hole can take command of your Kubernetes cluster. And the only real fix is to upgrade Kubernetes, which may not be suitable or agreeable to some, but it's what you got to do. So if you're using Kubernetes, if you're heavily invested in containers, as per my last story, I definitely recommend checking out New Vector. Some of the actual content of the ZDNet article where they say currently you can't do certain things and can't see certain activity 
Actually, you can with something like New Vector to an extent, so worth checking out. Unfortunately, this week, Office 365 Advanced Threat Protection was down, continu continuing a rough couple of months for Azure. It doesn't give you the warm and fuzzies with this whole cloud thing, does it? This week, .NET Core Preview 1 was released. It is the first public release of .NET Core version 3. There was a lot of info on the release. The one that stuck out to me was that WPF and Windows Forms can now be used with .NET Core. They ship in a new component called Windows Desktop that is part of the Windows version of the SDK. Windows Forms are now essentially open and some have been taking advantage of that by changing up some of the older dialogues like the folder open dialogue to make them more flexible for their needs. So kudos for making that open, it's awesome. It's probably no surprise to those paying attention in this space, but Cloud Jumper announced this week that they will support Windows Virtual Desktop with their Cloud Workspace platform on its release. Cloud Jumper were a part of an RDMI panel at Microsoft Inspire with some other vendors like Liquidware. So they are certainly experts in desktop as a service, in cloud workspace. So this makes a lot of sense for them. I did just mention Liquidware a little bit. Well, I happened upon a pretty interesting paragraph in a BrianMadden.com article on Liquidware's new releases of FlexApp and Profile Unity version 6.8. They highlighted a couple features that I talked about last week, mainly the AppStream integration and support, the support for FlexApp on object-based AWS storage, which has been covered on previous episodes, and are things obviously that are very relevant to the AWS reInvent event that I talked about on the previous episode of the podcast. But what really caught my eye was the comment about a possible opportunity for Liquidware with the Microsoft acquisition of FSLogix. Many of us have had ongoing discussions around FSLogix and whether or not Microsoft will only make it available to those using Windows Virtual Desktop. Well, if they go that direction, it will be a colossal screw up in my opinion, and it will be a disservice to their customers. But if they do, that leaves open an opportunity for a vendor like Liquidware to fill that gap. It's certainly interesting times. I had a great time interacting with many of you on Twitter and via email during and after my MVP day session. That session is now available on YouTube. You can check it out if you want my opinion and taste for application delivery in 2018. And it's only about 30 minutes long, so it's pretty easy to catch. Warning, I did it at a breakneck speed, so it is kind of a little difficult to follow. I'm throwing a lot of uh, new information at you and it's a little tough to absorb. I'm going so fast. So you might need to hit the pause button every once in a while. This week, we got a glimpse at new icons coming to Microsoft Office. They're pretty beautiful in my opinion, replacing the current very cartoonish looking icons with a flat minimalist design. There's a great article on some of the ins and outs of coming up with this design and various aspects of the new design as well as discussion around integrations between the different office apps for productivity, use of AI, and more. I did see somebody on Twitter who made a pretty good point in my opinion. The article states that this is the first redesign since 2013. Well, back in 2010 and earlier, Outlook was always gold and white. In 2013, it became blue. There are now multiple office icons that are blue. It would be good for Outlook 
to go back to gold to keep the core office icons at least a different color. I thought that was a pretty good point, but maybe it's a nitpicking. This last one I actually featured on scripts, tricks, and tips before on the podcast, but I saw it come up come up on my timeline again this week and I thought it was worth repeating. So for those listening who want a great free learning resource, Pluralsight has free weekly courses. I'll share a link to the free weekly courses with this episode. And now for this episode's hot job. This one is courtesy of Jennifer Lee on Twitter, who said, They're excited to announce the expansion of Microsoft's inclusive hiring program for people with disabilities in the UK. If you know somebody in the UK who has a disability and is maybe looking for a job in the tech field, this could be the perfect opportunity for them. To learn more and to also apply, they can send their CV to dcareers at microsoft.com. So that's dcareers at microsoft.com. And now for this episode, scripts, tricks, and tips. Bass Van Cam has released a new Cloud Core service cheat sheet with a quick side-by-side glimpse comparing Google Cloud Platform, Microsoft Azure, and Amazon AWS. So if you're not familiar with maybe one of those cloud offerings and you're familiar of another one, or you're not familiar with any of them at all, and you just want a quick glimpse at some of the features that those offer, you can look at this cheat sheet and it will tell you what's on offer. And better yet, you're able to compare at a glimpse with the other main vendor's offerings. Bass has done these types of cheat sheets for other types of products as well. They're really, really cool. They're really easy to use and it's a perfect quick reference guide. So I definitely suggest you check that out. Even if you're, you deem yourself a cloud expert, there's probably going to be pretty useful for you. You could use this as a quick reference guide to give to other people to maybe show in presentations and so on and so forth. Of course, if you do do that, make sure that you uh, give Bass the credit that he deserves. And that's it for another episode. As always, thanks so much for listening.